Terry Clark has our special. I'm not going to surprise y'all. I'm not going to sing. Um, we all grew up hearing the song, Fill My Cup, Lord. And when we pray, we always want our cup to be filled to the fullest, you know. And then I heard this um, recitation here recently, and it really struck a chord with me. Um, we've all had our trials, our ups and our downs, and this kind of just really said a lot to me, and I hope that it says something to you. I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. You know, I never did make my fortune, and I guess I probably never will. But I don't worry about that too much. Now, shoot, I'm happy because, you see, as I've journeyed down life's road, I've reaped a lot more than I've sowed. I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. I'm not a person of riches, no, sir. And sometimes the going gets kind of rough. But I, I got me a good family, an old horse and a dog. And I thank the Lord for all these bless, the mercies he has bestowed. I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. Oh, I've had lots of times when it seemed everything went wrong. I could feel my faith get, well, just a little bit thin. But the rain would stop and the dark clouds would roll away. The sun would come shining right back down in my life again. So, Lord, don't let me gripe too much about the rough row I've hoed. Because I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. And Lord, if you can just give me the strength I need and the courage when that old road gets steep and rough. I'll not ask for any other blessings because I've been blessed more than enough. And the Lord... Don't let me get too busy that I can't help another with his load. And I just keep on drinking from my saucer because my cup has surely overflowed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Miss Terry, and uh, thank you, Miss Dina. Excellent. And I hope all, everybody's cup is overflowing tonight. Open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 10 in just a second. And uh, as we continue looking at the series of a changed life, I know that tonight, is our business meeting after after our uh, regular worship service, but just looking at a changed life. In First Peter, he was a man that had been changed. And it took a while, and so many of us today, 
face changes in our life, after we get saved, do we fully commit? The Lord told uh, Peter, When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. But here we'll begin reading in First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Uh, says this, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Tonight, I've simply titled, uh, hopefully, this uh, shorter message, uh, A Wonderful Salvation. A Wonderful Salvation. It is. You know, he was saved, but it is a wonderful experience. Now, this is very interesting as Peter shifts gears from the first nine verses. And notice it says... Again, of which salvation the prophets have inquired? Well, wait a second. You know, the prophets he's speaking of are the ones in the Old Testament. So, did the prophets in the Old Testament know anything about salvation? Well, they did. But the thing is, is that Peter was writing to strangers that were scattered because of persecution. His main audience was Gentile readers. Now, Peter's original audience, whenever he was called uh, into the ministry, Jesus told the twelve apostles, But first go ye to the lost sheep or the house of Israel. And then later on, before he left, he told them, Go ye into all the world. And so he told them to speak to the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles, they, they weren't included in the original covenant. They, there's the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, uh, the covenant given to Noah, all sorts of covenants there. But then there was a new covenant that was prophesied that would take place. And this was really, it was a mystery, and we're going to look at that. So, number one, let me ask you this. People that were, how were people saved in the Old Testament? Well, basically the same way you and I got saved, except it was before the cross. It was before Jesus. Let's look at a few verses. Now, let's head now, if you would. Now, we're going to come back to First Peter, but right now, let's go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 22. Romans chapter 3 and verse 22. This kind of gives a little bit of insight into what we're talking about. And there's several places where it talks about by faith we're justified different things. We're going to kind of look at that. So, and the writer, of course, Paul here, and he is instructing the readers here in Rome, especially the Jewish readers, because as you read this entire chapter, you find out that Jews and Gentiles are sinners. And right before that famous verse, which is Romans 3, 23, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Right before that, it says this. Even the righteousness of God. How do you get right with God? Righteousness of God. Which is by faith of Jesus Christ. How do you get it? Unto all and upon all them that believe. For there's no difference. No difference in what? No difference in the Jew or the Greek. Or the Jew or the Gentile. Now I want you to skip down to Romans 3.28. So just right there a little ways. Romans 3.28 says this, Therefore, 
we conclude, after he stated all that other stuff, that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So again, Old Testament, New Testament, even though they kept the law, and I'm not going to turn over there and because it'd just take, it just takes, I'd be defeating my purpose. I'm trying to condense this thought. People did not get saved in the Old Testament by keeping the law. The law was just pointing them to the need of a Savior. The law was their schoolmaster to bring them to Christ. Paul restates this here in Romans and in Galatians and other places. Now, look also at Romans 3.30. Romans 3.30 says this, Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith, who's that? Jews, and uncircumcision through faith. Who's that? Anybody that's not a Jew. If you're a Gentile, they didn't follow that commandment. And whenever you read that in the King James Bible or whatever other version, and it mentions, sometimes it's phrased differently. That's the reason I mentioned that. It's phrased differently in other versions. But here in the King James Bible, the circumcision is the Jews, and the uncircumcision is the, the Gentile readers. Now, Alright, so, he's not speaking of, back in our text in 1 Peter uh, 1.10, he's not speaking of which salvation the prophets have inquired. In other words, he's not saying that they weren't saved. He's talking about the Gentiles coming to be saved. Now, here's... Yeah, let's, let's do that. Alright, let's go now to 1 Peter chapter... One back to First Peter chapter one verse eleven. Now we're going to read verse eleven and twelve. First Peter one eleven and twelve. All this under the heading, a wonderful salvation. It's a wonderful salvation. Okay. All right. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand that the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So the let me sum this up. The prophets were writing about a coming Messiah and a salvation which they had enjoyed, but they didn't know it was going to be for everybody in the world. And it says here they were searching. Really, I wonder how God's going to do all that. I wonder how He's going to work... Work out that. And also a manner of time. Remember the prophet Joel spoke that the Spirit of God would come down and people would speak with other languages and it would just be an amazing time. Of course, what did Peter say after the day of Pentecost? I got to witness what the prophet Joel spoke about. Talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And Peter even said it. We got to witness what Joel spoke about. So basically, when Joel penned this, he was thinking, I wonder how this is going to happen. And it happened hundreds of years after Joel, the prophet Joel in the Old Testament, wrote it down. So that harmonizes with this. Peter's saying what Joel was thinking. They were searching. I wonder what time. And I wonder how it's going to happen when it testified beforehand that the sufferings of Christ... How did, did they know anything about Jesus? No, they just knew what? A Messiah was coming. 
They really didn't know. And also, you know, Isaiah, he wrote all those things about his suffering, but some of them thought he was just talking about the nation of Israel's suffering. They didn't realize all the details that would go into Christ's suffering. Now, here's a really cool part. Unto whom it was revealed that, I'm in verse 12, 1 Peter 1, 12, that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported to you. In other words, I'm telling you everything that we learned. By which are now reported unto you that by, have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost, sent down from heaven. Notice this. Notice this. Which things the angels desire to look into. You know what? The angels up in heaven are looking at man. Jesus came down. You see what He did? And look, people are getting saved. Did you know, especially if you read uh, Hebrews chapter 1, that salvation didn't come by the angels. Salvation didn't come by Moses. That's all about Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews, book of Hebrews is like this. Christ is better than the angels. Christ is better than Moses. And Christ is uh, even better than the blood, offering of blood and bulls and goats couldn't save anybody. Christ is what it's all about. He's the ultimate sacrifice. Now, this is pretty cool. I'm doing this as quickly as I can. I want you and I to compare 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, and we're going to flip over in our Bible to Ephesians 3, 1 through 10. Ephesians 3, 1 through 10. So here's what I'm going to do. Just keep my finger right here. Just back up a little ways to Ephesians chapter 3. And this whole section... Right here, do it like that. That'd be perfect. This whole section is what I've been preaching about. You mean to tell me that this mystery, it was a mystery in the Old Testament that the Gentiles would be included in this new covenant, that everybody can be saved, everybody's going to heaven, everybody can come to know Jesus as their Savior? Let's just take off here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, he was literally, for you Gentiles, notice who he's writing to, who's his audience, the Gentiles. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to youward, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. And he's listening to define his terms here in just a second. I love it when the Bible just tells you what it's talking about. That makes it a whole lot easier. As I wrote before in a few words. Whereby you read and you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, Old Testament, as is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Here is the mystery. Verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. Wait a second. I don't like those Samaritans. I don't like those Grecians. And I like, like remember Jonah? I don't like those Ninevites either. <laughs> I don't like those people. It doesn't matter. And partakers of, the, of His promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister. Who was Paul made a minister to? Gentiles. According to the gift of the grace of God, 
grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Why? Because He persecuted the church of God. In this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is pretty cool. I'm pissing to get there. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Folks, verse 10 is basically a copy of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. What does verse 10 say here in Ephesians 3.10? To the intent that now unto principalities, that is angelic powers, by the way, and powers, and where are these located? In heavenly places might be known by the church, ecclesia, assembly, the manifold wisdom of God. The angels are looking. I wonder how God's going to do that. So the principalities and powers he's speaking of here are angelic realms. Matter of fact, if uh, even uh, my Bible and probably your Bible too may have a reference from First Peter chapter one verse twelve all the way back to Ephesians three ten. Mine does. Okay, and it's referring back to these two pa passages. So 1 Peter 1, 12 is speaking of the same thing. Same, meaning the same thing. Which the angels, I'm reading 1 Peter 1, 12, desire to look into. So we have an amazing salvation that wasn't just for Jews, but was for Gentiles. And aren't you glad? Because guess what? Unless some of you are Jews and I don't know about it, Y'all got included into getting to heaven, okay? Jesus died for you too. Isn't that great? <laughs> Amen. He just didn't die for the Jews. Now, now head back. Just all of that research is kind of neat knowing how God worked it all out. It's a great salvation. And now, in verses 13 through 16, in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, Wherefore, gird up, him, get ready. That's what it means, speaking in country boy terminology. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace. Wait a second. Are we supposed to hope to be saved? Are we hoping to be saved? This is a really cool word. The word hope here literally means this. It means expecting and trusting. You want me to put it the way me and, me and you would say it? I'm going to get it. I'm going to get what? And I'm going to get the end of the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When was... Let me ask you this. You want me to really boil that down? At the revelation of Jesus Christ, when was Jesus Christ revealed to you? When was He revealed to you? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. And guess what? If, you, if, if Jesus was revealed to you, that wherefore gird up, the loins of your mind, be sober, be alert, be ready, and expect, long for, you're going to get trusted, you're going to get what? The grace that is brought unto you at the revelation when you got saved. And since you're saved, you're going to get the completeness of your salvation one day. You don't have your glorified body yet, I know. 
All of us need room for improvement in that area, okay? All of us need a new body, don't we? And yet, since before you get there, before you get there, how should you behave? As obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. You know what basically verse 14 is? Verse 14 is a carbon copy of the uh, way Paul said it, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And, of course, if you have your Bible, you can look at that real quick. It's just backing up a smidgen. All right, Romans <laughs> went to Chick-fil-A the other day, and uh, I got a refill on lemonade, and I handed this teenager. I guess she is a teen. Look, she looked like a teenager working at Chick-fil-A. And I, she said, do you want any more ice? I said, just a smidgen. She said, what's a smidgen? <laughs> I said, I've, a little bit of ice, okay? <laughs> Uh, I said, uh, you were raised here in Bossier City your whole life, weren't you? Yeah, raised here in Bossier City my whole life. Okay, I said, I can tell. All right. And uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what? Verse 2 is where I was headed. Romans 12, 2 says this. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. You, all of us know we're supposed to be different. As obedient children, 1 Peter 1.14, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Before you were saved, did y'all know that lost people don't know? Did you know most lost people don't know they're headed to hell? Ignorant means they don't know. But did you know before I was saved, I didn't know. I didn't. I don't know how old you were when you were saved, but I did not know. I just thought, I'm, I'm better than so-and-so, so I must be going to heaven. I never killed, you know, people say that. You know, and I get tickled when I witness people, Brother Ed, and they always say this. And, and say, well, we're all sinners. And they say, well, I haven't killed anybody. And I'm thinking, I'm glad because I'm talking to them. <laughs> I'm, with, yeah, I'm witnessing to them. I've never killed anybody. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> If you have, I may want to witness to you from a bigger distance, you know. And uh, so, but, you know, they, they try to, what, when people say that, well, I've never killed anybody, what are they doing? They're trying to justify themselves and make themselves feel better. All right? Wrapping it up, 15 and 16. First Peter 1, 15, okay, so you're, not, you're supposed to be different. Don't live like you used to live. Be different than the world because why? But he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner. If you have a King James Bible, it says all manner of conversation. You know that means all manner of living. All right? Uh, Did you know we're all supposed to live separate lives, better lives? And I just want you to head to two scriptures real quick. Doing, doing good. Leviticus chapter 11. Leviticus chapter way over in the Old Testament. And verse 44. Leviticus chapter 11. And verse 44. All of Leviticus chapter 11 is about your dietary laws. What you eat. We're not under the law anymore, but Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44, after giving all those dietary laws, guess what he says? 
For I am the Lord your God, and you shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. In other words, eating what you shouldn't eat. Now let me ask you this. And, I, and I've told this story before. I get, uh, I remember getting tickled at my dad inviting me to uh, eat, eat at the casino. And, that, and it's good. Man, you get 500 pounds of steak for a dollar. He was exaggerating. He's from Texas. I am too. So, and uh, so I mean, it, I mean, it was a great deal. I mean, just a bunch of steak, juicy, tender, Michael, to melt in your mouth. It's all a dollar. Whatever it was. I said, Dad, I can't go eat there. Because, I mean, but you're not going in the casino. I said, I know, Dad, I'm not going in the casino. But it, I don't want to be a stumbling block before others. What does God's Word say? Now, the, I'm not, am I trying, do I think of myself better than my dad? No, I love my dad. And I don't. But I wanted to be, I wanted to draw a line somewhere and be separate from the world. Now, I've seen people draw a line before they, uh, some people won't eat out in a restaurant that has an open bar in it. I, I appreciate that line. That about eliminates all restaurants except for Cracker Barrel. <laughs> and uh, I love Cracker Barrel, thank the Lord. But you know what I mean? Can we draw a line and say, you know, am I being a stumbling block? Karen and I were eating, I've told this story before, Karen and I were eating in a restaurant one time. It was Outback or Chili's or something, in a place where they serve alcohol. And, you know, a person beside you at the next table can order a beer. And well, they were, they were having, you know, and they were just a little too rowdy. And y'all know the story. Karen looked at me and said, don't, don't do it. She saw my, just my blood pressure getting up. And, and I said, and I said, let's have the prayer. She said, don't. I said, Lord, thank you for this food. We're about to eat. I wanted to, to make sure that they knew that we were praying next to, I looked up after the prayer, and they still had their head bowed, you know. And uh, and they said, well, they kind of had their... Then they put their beer... You know, I've driven up to so many people's homes, especially uh, in East Texas. I don't know if the East Texas sawmill thing. And, uh, hey, preacher, how you doing? Good to see you, man. Glad you come by. I said, you don't... You don't have to hide that from me, I know. I mean, but, you know, and the thing is, though, most of, you know, good old boys, they just did, they didn't know. Or either they're lost or they're backslidden. They need to get right with God. It didn't bother me. In other words, it bothered me that they were doing it, but I'm going to talk to them anyway. Talk to them anyway. But the whole point of that, and it says it again later on. I'm not going to turn there and read it, but Leviticus 19 says the same thing. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Watch how you behave in the world. Watch how you do in the world. And he set some really high standards for the nation of Israel. And folks, if we want to have a revival, if we want to make a difference in our lives, we can't act like everybody else. 
we we have to be different. We have to talk different. We have to do a little different. It doesn't. Hey, and and don't ever think. And if y'all think you're better than anybody else, y'all got a wrong attitude. I don't need to think I'm better than anybody else, and y'all don't need to think you're better than anybody else. We're not. We're just sinners saved by grace. And uh, by that means that hey, by the grace of God, we could be there too. That's what that means. You know, we could be just. We could backslide, mess up. We can make mistakes just like anybody else. But it does say, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Come out from among them and be ye separate. just means stop acting like the world. As we get ready for a hymn invitation. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, thank You for showing us in Your Word and reminding us that we ought to be convicted when Your Word speaks to our hearts. And that we should come under conviction whenever we don't stand up or we don't be the kind of example that we need to be. That, that, that we don't talk like everybody else talks and, and that we don't do the things that everybody else does. We, we try to be friends to all men. At the same time, standing on Your Word, standing for the truths of Your Word, and that sin is not good, it's not right, and it brings separation between us and You. Father, that we would confess that sin and say, Lord, forgive me when I mess up and I fail. If there's anybody here tonight and they've never been saved, that they just give their heart and life to You and trust You. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen.